We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get into today's episode of Veterans Minimum, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Ben Kotzian, Christopher Velasquez, who now has passed the $1,000 threshold all-time, lifetime to the Patreon. Thanks, brother, brother. Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, Thomas Robinson, and a special shout-out to the winner of the VM Playoff Pool, Bick, B-I-C, shouts to you, $500 winner. He came in first place in our playoff competition. So... Congrats, a good congrats to you and shout out to all the members of the Patreon. Support for Veterans Minimum comes from patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. There's access to an exclusive Discord within the big Discord, which gets the betting plays. And now with football ending, we'll have a lot more people's podcasts and get you guys to help produce the show. And the other cool thing about football ending is we'll be able to have you guys as members of the Patreon listen to these episodes a day or in some cases a week in advance. So patreon.com slash veterans minimum. And we're working on a merch store that you should expect sometime next month. So a lot of cool things coming out on the Patreon and a lot of cool things happening here for veterans minimum. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champs. And I had to bring in my guy, A-double-L-E-N. What up, dog? I'm trying to think right now. Like, Philadelphia Eagles, we kind of need them in the Super Bowl for like the foreseeable future because they've been in some classics. To me, regardless of the finish, I thought last night was a classic. And there's not much that I don't think I could dispute that based on the amount of entertainment we got on both sides of the ball. I mean, bro, as a Giants fan, you're just telling me that we want to have the Eagles in the Super Bowl. What the fuck are we doing? What is this? I, I mean, <laughs> we want to be objective here. We want entertainment. Nah, you ain't, you ain't kidding, bro. That was from the first drive of the game, dude. 
Eagles go out, score a touchdown. Effortless, right? Was it a 10 or 11 play drive, whatever it was? But it it just looks so easy to them. And then Kansas City comes back and they answer with a touchdown. And I just turned to my buddy, Zach. I was watching the Super Bowl at Dark Horse Sports Club. They threw this massive dope-ass event at War Studios. And I just turned to my buddy, Zach, and I go, dude, I think this is going to be a classic. He's like, yeah. I was like, it just feels like it, man. Both of these offenses, just from the beginning, you had a feeling that a stop was not going to be possible, at least in my opinion, Alan, watching that. And you're right. It did turn out to be a classic. But I am I am a little offended by you saying you want the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. I probably you're should have watched my word. You're also in the NFC, bro. You're also in the NFC. You're a Falcon fan. You can't be saying this. I mean, there's no hope for that. Like, I'm looking at it right now, rosters-wise, although, you know, we'll, we'll get into future with the Eagles. Wow, they have a lot of free agents. And I feel like, I don't know, looking at these two teams, like, the Eagles, I feel like this is, like, their most stacked team. I don't know if they could top this. While the Chiefs, I don't think they'll have... I'm not saying they're not talented, but I feel like the Chiefs, they have some holes in some positions where there's players that are very inexperienced. Like, I think almost half their defense is on rookie contracts. Like, to me, the Chiefs are going to get better, which is scary. While I'm not sure if the Eagles could get much better than the current roster that they have. If you are a Chiefs fan, if you are someone who wants to bet on the Chiefs, if you are a fan of greatness or if you're a fan of Pat Mahomes, the fact that they won the Super Bowl despite losing a $30 million wide receiver. And they're already paying their quarterback north of $45, $50 million, I think, on the cap, which usually means that it's going gonna, it's gonna to handicap your team, right? You're, you're going to lose this lineman. You'll lose this receiver like they did. You'll lose this linebacker or corner. But they lost pieces, and they still won the Super Bowl Despite not having Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes answers back with his best season in many people's opinions, wins his second MVP, and then they win the Super Bowl without having the luxury of having a cheap quarterback. I think this is the beginning of a team that, bro, what we've seen so far, dude, five straight conference championship games. We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Third Super Bowl. He wins his second Super Bowl. This team ain't going anywhere, bro. You are absolutely right. And we also have to give kudos to coaching. Like, I think yeah. in the preview, I would not discredit it, but I didn't know there would be that much of a coaching discrepancy. Like, like Andy Reid, once again, solidifying his stats as one of the true all-time greats. Steve Spagnuolo, we all know about playoff spags, Super Bowl spags. I thought it was a masterpiece yesterday. I know Luke Hurts got his yards and... You know, the Eagles did score 35, but considering the circumstances, I think there were moments where you saw, especially with the linebacker play, which we'll definitely get into. Wow, Spags definitely dialed some blitzes that rattled Hurts a little bit. So the coaching staff, and I don't know what the enemy's future is, but you know what they have with the coaching staff and the roster and you know how they handled themselves, especially on the O-line. It's just what a well-constructed unit. And you know these young players are bound to get better. And you know, watching that game, like, they're going to go get a receiver because I think they only had 80 yards yesterday with the receiver position. And you could tell like this team desperately needs a better vertical threat. So the fact that they have some clear evident holes and they won the Super Bowl, I think everyone should be terrified of that. I kind of want to go in chronological order throughout the game. And within breaking down that, we can touch on takeaways or turning points, whatever it might be. But... 
Dude, early on, it looked like both Hertz and Mahomes were firing on all cylinders. Like we mentioned, Eagles, 75-yard drive in 11 plays. And Goddard caught a couple passes. Devontae Smith had a monster game. A.J. Brown also had a monster game. And early on, my, my biggest spotlight was going to be on A.J. Brown. And he had a, a remarkable game on his standards. Um, close to 100 yards, him and Devontae Smith. But the thing that was very apparent to me, Alan, was the quarterbacks were going to be able to do whatever they wanted. And they both did pretty much whatever they wanted. And Jalen Hurts on that first drive, and even throughout the game, he delivered in a big spot, dude. Did you feel the same way watching Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. Like multiple throws to Dallas Goddard. You want to talk about tight window throws on the deep corner, and then it was like another deep over across the middle field. Like it was just, you didn't see this as past season. Like, because I think Jalen Hurts always struggled when it came to throwing across the middle of the field. That's why I've never seen his stats last year. So now you just see him making these true tight window throws and just having the confidence where I'm going to hit my receiver in stride regardless of the coverage. Just, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't think we've seen too many quarterbacks that have, have gone from borderline liability to legitimately put the team on his back because there was real no running game yesterday. And he showed, and you know, Niners and all the naysayers saying, oh, Jalen Hurts not a quarterback, make him into a thrower. Chiefs made him to a thrower through various stages of the game, and he delivered time and time again. So huge kills to him, and oh, for Eagles, you better, you better be ready to pay him because this is your franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts played an absolute perfect game with the exception of eight seconds fumble. when he had the fumble yeah. that got picked up and returned. He was 27 of 38 for 304 yards. He threw a touchdown. He got sacked twice, but both of them were BS sacks. Basically, they credited the Chiefs for sacks when he ran out of bounds um, at like the line of scrimmage or like a one-yard loss. It's considered a sack. So he protected the football with the exception of that one play. 15 carries for 70 yards, scored three touchdowns on the ground, tied a Super Bowl record. And he answered all the questions. Uh, You're right. They're going to have to pay him, and I think you should pay him what he does for your team and as a leader. And he delivered, man. I think there was something interesting that happened over the weekend in the UFC also. Um, You know, I had to use a wrestling analogy and I put this post out, Alan, how Jalen Hurts and Alexander Volkanovsky both lost and came out their matchups better than they came in. Volkanovsky went up to 155 to fight Islam Makachev, loses a very close fight, a lot of mixed reviews. I thought it was, I thought it was Islam's, but he put on a masterful performance, kind of exposed a lot of Makachev, and maybe he's not as untouchable. And the narrative coming in was, dude, he's, you know, it's the height disadvantage that Volkanovsky has, the size disadvantage, the wrestling of Makachev, And he answered all the questions. And then on the flip side, when you look at Jalen Hurts, same conversation was happening with him coming in. Is his shoulder right? Can he live up to that big moment? Can he go toe-to-toe with Mahomes? And both of these guys, to use the wrestling term, they got over in losses. The talk of the town has been Volkanovsky and in a lot of circles, dude. And I feel like justifiably so, Jalen Hurts as well. 
no one's going to dispute that. And I think it all just comes down to you know, delivering that big spot, but also showing what your your greater capabilities. We know what Hurts is capable as a runner. We know how he can make the linebackers miss slope with field. But as a passer, where you're not necessarily dealing pressure, but you're going against you know a pretty complex D Spagnol defense, and you know he really hasn't had to throw the ball in about a month in a big game. We think well even more when you consider injury, like you know Giants and Niners games. You want to talk about game script. You know, that could have been more favorable. So this was the first game in maybe two months where he really needs to deliver as a thrower. And he, he did this spectacular job. And I just think with that supporting cast, it's only going to get better because you know, his rapport with Devontae Smith is just it's unreal. Like, you, you, they always seem to be in sync. And it was great to finally see A.J. Brown. I'm curious, the touchdown to A.J. Brown, were you a little concerned that I was going to get picked? Because it just seemed like, oh, wow, this seems to be throwing in traffic. and. Yeah, A.J. Brown came down with it. No, not that one, but there was one that A.J. Brown made a defensive play on that prevented an interception on Thornwell, I believe it was, Thornhill. Mm -hmm. That one I thought was going to get intercepted. Dude, we got to show ourselves some love because we were spot on. We said that this was going to be a matchup in which he would have to throw. It was going to be one of the few situations this season where the Eagles weren't going to be in a positive game script. And he answered all the questions, as well as the pass catchers. Us two were both expecting a big game from A.J. Brown. I even cut up a clip last week, which I'm going to repost again. You know, silent golf clap for us on that one. We said Dallas Goddard was going to have a a big game. He had six for 60, had some really important catches on a lot of those drives. He didn't score a touchdown, kind of ruined one of the parlays as the D-Gen that I am, Alan. But he, he had a monster game as well. He went over all of his... Uh, catches and yardage props. A.J. Brown went over all of his props and he scored a touchdown, which we liked. Devontae Smith, the same thing. And they all they all delivered, man. What was astonishing to me, Allen, was they couldn't do nothing on the ground outside of Jalen Hurts, bro. I did not see that one coming. No, not at all. Because, you know, guys like Nadi and Saunders, like, it's just, the Chiefs don't have, like, Known interior defensive tackles, obviously, besides Chris Jones, who's all pro. But, you know, I think the one thing I could say that I got a prediction right was Nick Bolton, you know, high variance. There's times where he looks like an all pro, there's times there he looks like he shouldn't be starting to sleep. But we saw the best Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. They were taking on blocks. It seemed like they were in the right position numerous occasions to spot those. You know, run pass options. You know, they neutralize Hurts quite a bit. And then you talk about the fumble. I don't think it was just a free play. Like Nick Bolton put himself in position to make that stop. And he did. And it proved to be a game-changing play. There was another big third one stop that he got on Miles Sanders where they ran like a toss and uh, Bolton broke through two blocks and made a tackle. Like it was one of the best linebacker performances you've ever seen in the Super Bowl. Like he made that much of a difference. So, you know, I didn't get the game prediction right, but it was good to see Nick Bolton. I was like, all right, these linebackers, they're going to have to show out if the Chiefs are going to hold together. And, you know, they did their thing. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the big reason why the Eagles couldn't uh, run the ball, which was, like you said, super surprising because they've pretty much built their identity off that. As great as their passing game is, the Eagles have overwhelmed so many teams running the ball. And, you know, Sanders was a non-factor in game ball. He was kind of, you know, more used as a passing option. You mentioned a couple of names there that we must highlight because we know about Mahomes, we know about Kelsey, we know about some of these big-name players on the Chiefs. However, dude, their last three draft classes, and in particular the last two, Allen, 
I think it's fair to say they hit home runs on it, especially with them winning the Super Bowl. Willie Gay, 2020. Cree Humphreys, Nick Bolton, Trey Smith in 2021. They get rid of Hill and they, I know not draft purposes, but they get rid of Hill. They acquire some draft picks and they replace Hill's production with Tony, MVS, and Juju. And then in last year's class, McDuffie, Karlaftis, shout out to the Dirty Greek. He got, we got another one with a Super Bowl, Allen. Lamb's up, baby. Lamb's up. <laughs> Sky Moore, Brian Cook, Jalen Watson in the secondary, and bro, Isaiah Pacheco. Watson and Pacheco, <laughs> seventh round picks. Pacheco, 76 yards and a touchdown. Have you ever seen a small running back run so angry? Like, I, I'm trying to think of anyone besides Devontae Friedman, and I don't want to mention Devontae Friedman because we're like, oh, God, Falcon always has a bourbon Falcon. But, like, I had never seen a small running back just run so angry in my life. I got one, bro. Come on, baby. 4-4 Bulldog. Bradshaw. Oh, yeah. My Bradshaw. Bradshaw. He, Bradshaw he ran used to... He, he ran with evil intentions. He was pissed off when he was running. But Pacheco, oh. way more explosive, too. Like, dude, there's been some times yeah. throughout the year where I'll see Pacheco make a big play. And I forget that it's not Tyreek. Like, he kind of looks like Tyreek in a way, too. And he wears, what does he wear? Number 10, He right? wears number so 10. That that's what more... I'm saying. Like, I'll watch it. I'll be like, oh, shit. Oh, oh wow. That's not Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that and Sky Moore wearing 24. Look, I'm all for number flexibility, but... This is a little uncalled for. But dude, like big ups to the Chiefs organization, man, because mm -hmm. you turned two seven round picks into players that played in the Super Bowl and had a big part of your success all year. And you hit on these draft picks. Trey Smith was a sixth or seventh round pick as well on the offensive line. And there was this video that um, one of the guys from uh, Big Blue Banter put up where Trey Smith comes on like a trap block and he takes out a DN on the Eagles and then he takes out Travis Kelsey too. And then he helps up Kelsey. But it's like, you know, this guy was a sixth or seventh round pick, man. And obviously Creed Humphreys, we know about him too. But you got to show love to the Chiefs organization for, yeah, you pay your quarterback, but these assets that you acquire from the Tyreek Hill move and just in general, the way you're approaching your draft as fans, we watch the first round, maybe the second round. If we know a guy that should have went in day one is going day two, we'll say, oh, you know, this is an A-plus draft. That's why we don't really know until later on. Like, dude, this is an A-plus-plus draft for the Chiefs. When six, seven of these guys that you drafted made plays in the Super Bowl. That's when it all comes together. And look, I... Salute to Les Need. I know it's fun to say F them picks and wear the t-shirt, but ultimately success is built through the draft. And I think the Chiefs are now the prime example for that, you know, how they've constructed their roster, especially when you have a superstar quarterback that is going to command the contract that he has. Like if you're going to build a sustainable contender, you know, this is how it's got to be done. You just your scouting has to be on point. You have to be able to take chances. There's going to be times where there might be a few character concerns. Sometimes you just have to gamble. And it's worked time and time again for the Chiefs. And, you know, salute to Brevin Beach, you know, Andy Reid, you know, the requisite rest of the executives, like time and time again, they just deliver. And, you know, it's just a testament. Just it shows how much you know, the draft, you know, the significance of it, but especially those late round picks. Like, like you look at you know, the non first rounders, like Creed Humphrey is arguably the best set. I think once Jason Kelsey retires, Creed Humphrey will probably be the best center in the league. And then Trey Smith's a stutter right guard. And, 
we look, talked about Pacheco. It's just how deep they are. It's, it's extraordinary. The Eagles defense. We haven't gotten to them. We haven't talked about Mahomes much. We'll get into that now. One thing that was a question we both were asking one another was, dude, the Eagles most sacks in NFL history in a single season. It never felt like this was a defensive line that you'd be telling people about five, six, a decade from now, right? Like it wasn't one where they had a lot of guys contribute to the pass rushing, but the Eagles defense had zero sacks yesterday. And that was something that was going to be a big matchup in the game. And there were some comparisons on social media, Alan. I don't know if you caught this. People were comparing the Bucks defensive line versus the Chiefs offensive line then to this one on Sunday. Which which Bucks team? I'm talking about the, it's the two. So the Bucks team that won the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. I saw oh, okay. some people drawing. O2. I was thinking about O2 Bucks. Oh, so I was nah, like, nah, they nah, got Hall of Famers. Nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, that's different. Warren Sapp and, and that. Wait, <laughs> Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice. Yeah, Derek Brooks over there too. No, no, no. I'm talking about this, this Bucks team that played the Chiefs, right? I saw some okay. people on my timeline on Twitter saying that the Chiefs offensive line is a mismatch the way it was in that Bucks Super Bowl. And I couldn't disagree more. I just didn't want to tweet at them and then start this whole dialogue. But I think if that was a part of your handicap or your breakdown, I think you couldn't have been more wrong because in 2020, the Chiefs had three new guys on the offensive line going into that Super Bowl, but four new starters. They moved like one guy mm. from the left side to the right side. So he was playing an entirely like different... Rivers. Yeah, he played an entirely different position than when he played in the regular season. So you really had four new starters on your offensive line going up against that pass rush and that front seven against Tampa, where this one, everyone was healthy. Everyone was healthy. And if you heard Orlando Brown, you heard, you heard Trey Smith, you heard Creed Humphreys, they said, yo, we heard. We heard you guys saying Hassan Reddick got a lot of money and bets to be MVP yesterday. Sue, Fletcher Cox, all these guys, and they had nothing for that front for Kansas City. I think if you could give out an MVP to an entire unit, it had to be the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. I, I full agree with you there, and you have to give the huge kudos to them because I don't think many people saw it coming because the Chiefs' all line has looked a bit vulnerable at times this season. They put up a stealth performance. But we have to acknowledge the field. Like, I think the field definitely played a factor. Like, you look at Hassan Rick, the amount of times he fell, and he's someone that relies on his get-off, his bend. Right. Josh Sweat as well. Like, so I think the edge rushers, because, like, look, Andrew Wow, he played the game of his life, and he was considered a liability at right tackle, but he held his own against Hassan Rick. I just wonder, if those field conditions, considering the amount of speed the Eagles have on the outside. You know, I'm not talking about the interior. I'm talking about the outside. I think the conditions definitely played a factor there. And, you know, and I, Chiefs admitted it too. I think some of the players are like, yeah, it benefited us. So, look, it doesn't matter now they won the Super Bowl, but, you know, I don't want to totally erase what the Eagles built. They still have a tremendous D-line, albeit I think like four of them are free agents. So it's going to be very hard to replace them. A few things there. I think some of the issues with the Chiefs offensive line also comes from Pat Mahomes and him improvising a lot and him taking longer in the pocket. Like there's sometimes, even yesterday, where he completes a five-step drop back, he's in the pocket, you know, 
posture up, ready to throw, and then he rolls out. It's like, dude, at that point, what, how long could we block for you, right? And he was able to scamper. Like, he had a big run in the second half, which kind of was the backbreaker for the Eagles defense there on, on a play where he picked up, I think, like 25 or 20, 26 yards on that long run. But can't you say the same thing about Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Carl Laftis? They played on the same field, too. So that's why, to me, they that— make it- they didn't make an impact, though, either. Right. But, you really think they did much? No, I don't think they did much. And Frank Clark didn't do much either. But mm-hmm. I think I think both teams played on the same field. So Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's facts. <laughs> right, right. But I'm saying, so like the, yeah. the, the hand that was dealt for the Eagles was also the same for the pass rushers for Kansas City. Yeah. It, it, look, no one's going to dispute this fact. I just think the Eagles... Kind of like the Cowboys. They have a lot of speed on their edge. They have a lot of guys that rely on that first step, rely on their bend. Like, you know, Dallas had that bad record outdoors. And you look at guys like Parsons and Lawrence, et cetera. It's just, you know, some teams are more built differently. I think the Eagles are just more speed while the the Chiefs are more powered. So maybe that's my explanation for it. But look, there's no credible defense for it. You know, the Chiefs, especially their tackle. So there's no questioning their interior. Like you know, Joe Tooney, we haven't mentioned yet. Joe Tooney handled Javon Hargrave. And Javon Hargrave has been playing at top 10 level all season. Joe Tooney has been one of the best pickups in the last, I don't know, five years. Like to me, you know, when the Chiefs rebuilt their whole line after the Super Bowl debacle, Joe Tooney was like the first major move they made. And he's kind of been the face of their resurgence. So huge kills to him. We know how good Humphrey and Smith are. But between Tooney's dominance and the tackles really stepping up their game, Look, Chiefs deserved it. Eagles defense. Last week when we were talking about it, I had some concerns and I feel validated now after what I saw. The Eagles defense from week five, Allen, they played 20 quarterbacks. They played zero pro bowlers. In the games in which the quarterback was Dak Prescott, Pat Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, they gave up 33 points per game. And the Trevor Lawrence game was in a wild hurricane rainstorm. When you're playing Daniel Jones and Davis Webb and Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, and Justin and Fields. Daniel Jones in this category. Come yeah. On. I mean, you have to for this case, right? Like, look, I love Daniel yeah. Jones. Can't believe I'm saying that. It's going to come back to bite me when he's <laughs> making $48 million a year. But Daniel Jones and the Vanilla Vic stuff, yeah. it's cool, it's funny, ha-has and hee-hees. But those are the quarterbacks that you're playing. And were you really a number one defense? Yeah, you, you play who's on your schedule. So I get that. And I always have defended teams like Philly saying that, look, man, I'm playing who's on my schedule and I'm also taking care of business. Like I'm beating these teams by two, three touchdowns. So it's not like Minnesota. That was an argument that we were making all this time. But, you know, you play Kirk Cousins in prime time. You're, you're playing, uh, you played Houston, right? You're playing the Houston quarterback. You're playing the Pittsburgh quarterback. I don't even know if Kenny Pickett was the quarterback then. You're playing, yeah, you're playing uh, Andy Dalton. Yeah, you're playing Tennessee. Like, and then when you're playing the best quarterback of all time, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes, no wonder it's a culture shock. And, yo, we haven't even gotten to the giant elephant in the room, which is the officiating. 
But did the officiating have anything to do with Mahomes being 13 of 14 in the second half for two touchdowns and the one incomplete was a throwaway? What big play did this Philly defense make? Dude, the only play that they made was, I think it was Edwards, just smoked Pacheco. And then Pacheco, like, not limped off, but he missed, like, a play or two, and then he yeah. came back. But they made, there was no pass breakup. There was nothing. They didn't do anything, bro. And they invest a lot in that defense. And yeah. I think it really does come down to coaching, though. Like, Jonathan Gannon is someone that's been talked about in these coaching cycles the last two years, and I never understood why. He's someone that never really makes adjustments. plays a very vanilla defense. And just look at the two touchdowns, Tony and Moore, both the exact same play call. And you look at the Jacksonville game, the Jaguars scored twice off that reverse end of round where you know, the receiver pivots and then goes back out. And it's just, it seems like the Eagles just were so fixated on playing man coverage in these scenarios where it's just like, you're seeing what they're running. Why aren't you adjusting? So I do think a lot of it comes down to coaching. I'm not, you know, look, they got dominated in the trenches for sure. Like they, Chiefs ran the ball very effectively. So you got to give them credit there. But, you know, the, the lack of adjustments going against arguably the best play caller, you know, the best coaching staff in the league, it's going to come back to haunt you. And it did because it, you can't allow wide open touchdowns like that in the fourth quarter, like complete coverage bust. Like, look, every coordinator is going to put together their structure plays where it's just like, all right, we're going to get this guy open. But you know, we're talking about near the red zone. Like to allow two uncontested catch catches in the red zone for a touchdown is just inexcusable. So I do think coaching plays a big part of it. You know, even though, look, defense, particularly the front four, definitely didn't deliver. It's crazy how if you, if you pulled a meet, and you fell asleep throughout the whole Super Bowl, like I did at Super Bowl 50, as I was telling that story last week. And good say, times. Good times, right? Oh, you were with me, bro. You were <laughs> with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, oof. oh man. Really good times. You, you missed Von Miller and Von Miller and Von Miller. Uh, yeah. I just remember kissing Joe's TV when they showed Eli Manning on it. And then I don't, I just remember waking up. <laughs> the game was over. <laughs> A pregame taken too far. But yo, say you pulled a me, right? And this is, this is why football yeah. is incredible. And this is why sometimes greatness takes over like Pat Mahomes did. If you got hammered and you passed out and then you woke up at like eight o'clock, the first thing you do is you open up your phone and you don't check the score, but you check the box score. Eagles, 25 first downs to Chiefs, 21. 417 total yards of offense. 72 plays in total to the Chiefs, 53. 11 of 18, Allen, on third down. Two That's for the most two, mind-boggling stat. Right? You know, crazy. 11 for 18. Yeah. Two for two on fourth down. You had three over 300 yards passing. You look at Mahomes, 182 yards passing. You're like, oh, bro, we kept them in check, right? And then to me, the craziest thing, bro, you had the ball for 35 minutes. Isn't the recipe and the most vanilla take, oh, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, you'll win. They did. It is. They did. And they ended up still losing, which was wild to me. But, Alan, I think the game was lost when they kicked the field goal in the third quarter when it was 24-21 and they kicked the field goal to make it 27-21. As someone who invested some Benjamins in the Kansas City Chiefs to win that game, I was just saying, 
Thank the good Lord. Thank all the football gods, all the gods that they're kicking a field goal here. Yeah, and Sirianni, we know how aggressive he is. Like this guy that he's starting to build his identity off running the ball on third and seven to go for on fourth down, which I find to be cool if you have that much confidence. But it's just, wow, you're known for being this aggressor and you're kicking that field goal. It looks Andy Reid is notorious for you know, being a bit conservative. Yeah, he likes to let loose every now and then, but he'll kick a field goal on fourth and one at the 23 yard line. We've seen that over the course of you know, two decades. But Sirianni's built as this aggressor. So, for that to happen, we're just like, wow, uh, definitely didn't see that coming. Maybe a little too much faith in the defense. And and also, a 17-play drive, bro, to end in a field you, wow. goal. Mm-hmm. You took seven minutes and 45 seconds off the clock, and that's where I feel like they lost the game. Because the more I think about it, dude— I would only kick a field goal in those kind of situations if it means that it makes the game a two-possession game. And in this situation, you're only up three. Why kick a field goal? A touchdown still gives the other team the lead. Where if I'm up seven, Mm -hmm. if I'm up six, wacky scenario, I'm up six, I'll kick a field goal there because now I'm up nine or I make it I'm up 10. And now you need to 100% guaranteed fact, no opinion can deny it, you need to touch the ball twice. Kicking a field goal there, especially against Mahomes, which the MO is, yo, how many times does this dude win games because the other team just settles for field goals? That's where I feel like Philadelphia lost his game. So when are you going to learn? At this point, all across the league, when are you going to learn? It's just, you can look, I know you want to have confidence in your defense. I know that we're, oh, we built this roster. They're going to get our defense is going to stop them at some point. Brandon Graham or Javon Harvey will get a sack or big play Slade's going to pick them off. But you're going against a true juggernaut. You're going against a team, an offense that doesn't make mistakes, has a powerhouse O line and you know, just big play threats across the board. It's just, you know, you, when you're in a shootout like this, when it's just like you need touchdowns, just go for it at this point. And it's not like the Chiefs defense was doing a whole lot to stop you other than a few third downs. You know, even though I commenced Bagnola for his, uh, you know, play calling at times, it was still very much the Eagles, you know, marching downfield. Like, what, they have two punts the whole game, I believe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's just, it's it's strange that for a team that's built on so much confidence and bullying teams, they showed a little bit of uh, hesitancy and they didn't blow the Chiefs across the trenches. They got a good battle and I think them not being able to bully the Chiefs pretty much cost them. Two punts for each team in this game. Yeah, I mean, dude, look, they combined for 73 points. It was, a, it was a fun game. It was an explosive game and a lot of big plays. I have a couple of questions that I have to ask you to get your thoughts on it. Is this a epic comeback or epic collapse? Definitely not collapse. That'd be harsh. I don't, I don't think it's epic comeback either. I just think... Better team one. Are you, uh, do you have a box of tissues next to you to wipe the tears when I read you this next one? No, but why is this going to be related to a certain score from six <laughs> years ago? <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this coming up? So, the reason why I mentioned collapse or comeback is because the Chiefs trailed the Eagles by 10 points at halftime of Super Bowl 57. 
Teams that trailed by 10 or more points at halftime were 1-26 and 26 in the Super Bowl era. Oh. I mean, what's 10 points, though? Like, come on. Like, we're really going to use that stat? For those that don't know, like, Allen is a massive, massive Atlanta Falcons fan, and it's still a, a sensitive subject, you know? It's not. It's just like, it is what, it's just like, okay, like... I just, I don't understand how 10 points is a collapse. Like, you're going against the greatest ever. You know, when, when, when let's push that conversation. Like, he's got to be up there at this point. I don't care that he's 27 years old. I think his body of work, his resume at this point, you could put it against anybody. And I, the, only work, the only critique you have against him, he doesn't have the longevity yet. But let's see, come 2029, you'll see how longevity. Bro. You're talking to someone who's been spearheading this conversation. Like, I pulled up a tweet. I said in 2020, I said, best to ever do it already. And yeah, was that, was that like just, you know, trying to go viral or some shit? Yeah, maybe. But bro, again, three Super Bowls in five years, two MVPs, two Super Bowl championships. He's 27. He won a Super Bowl despite getting paid, not despite in his sense, like obviously we want him to get the bag, but we know the history of the, the expensive quarterback. He doesn't really get to this point to, to win a Super Bowl. I mean, bro, like put his five years up against anyone's. It's what he's done. And especially when he got stripped of his main weapon, he's had Kelsey, which, yeah, he's going to go down as one of the best Shannon Sharp already said that he might be the best tight end of all time. I still think Gronk takes that one. Two different, completely different yeah. tight ends, by the way, right? Like, Kelsey was more of a hybrid wide receiver who can also play tight end, where, where Gronk was just a mismatch and just a physical specimen at that position and a touchdown machine. But, yeah, bro, like, what more do you need to see from Mahomes? If Mahomes retired tomorrow, first ballot Hall of Famer, and... Why is it because he hasn't played 20 years? We can't start having this conversation. I don't I don't get that. I think I think already yeah. he's the best quarterback of all time. Like talent-wise, uh, Brady is the most accomplished. Cause he's played longer too. But I think Mahomes already has that title. I don't know how many quarterbacks can make like those receivers and put together an official. It's like we know tremendous Kelsey is, but you know, their receiving corpse is pretty limited. Like they know how to block. I'll give them that. Like Juju's, Velda Scanlon, they could block, but you know they don't have anyone that could really stretch the field consistently. They're all banged up. You know, coming out of that Bengals game, it's just his receiver corps. You know, they try to reload, but I don't think they did a particularly good job at it. If you want to critique the front office, was like the fact that Mahomes made this work. It was. It's just. It's. A, I think it's one of the biggest achievements he's ever had over the course of his career. Because I just don't see many quarterbacks making this work. Like you know, not to not to knock Dak or even a Lamar, but I think they struggle with this this receiving corpse. You know, for Mahomes to do what he did, because some people were like only 182 yards. I'm like, do you see who he's throwing to outside of Kelsey? Like, you know, it does leave a lot to be desired. And you know, to do this also with serious ankle issues, like you know, we saw him a couple of times limping. It just he's as gutsy as it gets, and you know, some of the throws he makes, you know, he, it's at least two or three times game your jaw drops when he makes. A throw like I think there was one where he hit Kelsey low, but you know, it was like one of the few times the Eagles got pressure. I think it was Josh Sweat, and it just seems like whenever the pocket's collapsing, you know, he rarely makes a mistake. You know, we see quarterbacks crumble. To me, he just steps up and you know he throws off balance, and those off balance throws 
somehow lead to accurate throws. Oh, all of his receivers were let go by their teams with no hesitation. (laughs) Yeah. Tony, take him. Don't want him. Juju, go ahead. Test free agency. Bet on yourself. MVS, no problem. Take him. Aaron Rodgers probably would add 800 more yards and 12 more touchdowns if this guy could catch deep passes. And then you look, Juju, yo, seven for 53. He was very productive. He had, he had nine targets, led the team in targets. Mm-hmm. And he made some big plays on third downs or on like second and 11s where he would pick up nine yards. So he, he played a big role yesterday. But don't get it twisted, bro. Like it was Kelsey and a bunch of dudes. And for Mahomes to do what he did to win MVP, that's why it's, it's wild to me. No, no, other guy, no other guy in the league. Like we saw Rodgers struggling. So Rogers struggling with, with all young guys and, and guys that were unproven. And then you look at Mahomes. Mahomes is like, all right, all right, Juju's proven for sure. But Pittsburgh, no problem. Just get. He's, a, he's like, a possession guy. We know, we know what he is at right, this point. He's a right. possession receiver, you know. Yeah. So uh, I, think that's, that, I think that's why he, do you think it's also because that's why he got more emotional? I feel like this one was far more earned and a lot more hard to get than his first one. To me, this was just a real battle where it just like, they had a scratch and claws for everything. You know, obviously the Niners won. It was very competitive, but I think they convincingly won that at the end. This one to me was just, they had to pull out all the stops to get this Super Bowl. Yeah, and I also think that Philly was a better team than what the Niners had. And also, oh, yeah. and also let's not forget what the talking points were from April to September last year. Yo, no Tyreek Hill. Oh, my God. It's it's the Chargers division. I was one of them too, bro. Uh, Russ is in people. the division. The Raiders. Mahomes is going to regress. You don't think that meant something to him too, where I did this without my main weapon and I did it with a bunch of dudes? Like, yeah, I think so. I think those conversations were had. And Andy Reid in the second half just completely just opened up the playbook and those motions where... Sky Moore and Tony were just wide, wide open on both of their touchdowns. And yeah, I think, I think, and also when you lost the Super Bowl too, right? That was something that they were talking about where to get to a Super Bowl, win it, then to go back and lose it, that thing drove them until, and then last year losing in the conference championship game. So yeah, you had your ups and your downs, but your downs were pretty bad, dude. Like you lose the Super Bowl and then you lose at home in a conference championship game. That's why yesterday was so emotional for those guys, in my opinion, as well. Agreed. And it had to leave a super bad taste in mouth how the Bengals game unraveled because I think that was like the first and maybe only time in his career in a big spot Mahomes really let the team down. Like he was significantly at fault for that loss. Like he looked rattled in the pocket. It seemed like you know he had happy feet and he took some sacks that you would never expect him to take. So you know, he was coming back with a vengeance. And He's kind of set the tone week one. If you remember against the Cardinals, they stepped on the field and the game was over by the second quarter. And I just think once that week one game happened, you know, they were on their quest towards making the Super Bowl. We have to address the way the game ended. It's a big talking point. How do you feel about the holding call on Bradbury on the last drive? So if this in the second quarter he had one that I think should have been called it was a third and eight on Juju being called where his arms are pretty extended, it was a, end up being a no call. And then in this such a big spot, now they call it. So I, the lack of consistency hurts, but 
I will say when you extend your arms like that, you're making yourself a target. Like the way you know, Juju ran that whip route, he goes inside, then he releases the outside. And it's the way Bradbury's arms were. I could see why the refs called it. I don't agree with it, but you know, you see that call time and time again where it seems like you're Yankee on. But you know, I definitely feel the outrage. I understand why Greg Olson, who once again did a phenomenal job. Fox, please value that man. But uh, yeah, I could see why Eagle fans are outraged. And but it's just look, I think we've we've watched game for a long time when you're a corner and in that position and Bradbury admitted it, he held. You know, I, I do think they should let him play from some aspect, but when you extend your arms like that, you're asking for it. I feel as if it was a penalty. Does it suck that it happened on the last drive where it's magnet the magnitude of it is like 10x? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The timing of it sucks. I agree. But it was also the right call. So yeah. I think both scenarios could be true. And it was the right call where he got held there. And you're right, because I was watching that game on in earlier in the second half, in, in the second quarter, I believe it was, the play you were referencing, where Juju got mugged. And I was like, oh, so no, no flag. And that led to a punt. Mm-hmm. Like, that one was blatant as hell. This one, he did hold them there. It sucks that then that gives them the first down, automatic first down, which if there's one thing that needs to change, it's that. A defensive holding can't be an automatic first down, especially when the yardage doesn't make sense, right? When it's third and 11 and a defensive holding leads to an automatic first down, that drives me crazy, bro. I've been bitching and moaning about this since like the beginning of having any sort of platform. But that's how it was the same thing, very reminiscent to the guy that hit Mahomes running out of bounds. It's like uh, Osai, yeah. Osai, right? It he hit mm-hmm. him late. It sucks that it happened on the last play of the game that then gives him 15 yards to kick the field goal while Kansas City's driving. But he hit him late there, and it was the same thing yesterday. He held him. So to me, it was. I I, I thought the Osai was more blatant though. I think this you have a bit of an argument. I do agree with you, but I I think that was far more blatant than this one. This one, I think you could make a case it wasn't, but. You're you're right. Uh, yeah. You're right that you can make a case, but I'm saying the timing of it was very similar. It happened on the last oh, yeah. drive where the Chiefs were driving on both. So they were both the right calls. It's just the timing of it that was unfortunate, dude. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to bring replays back because that just they did that experiment. Mm-hmm. It just did not work. But ultimately, it's just, I think you look at this type of game and it's just, there's more things to happen than this one play. Like, yeah, it was a disappointing finish, but you know, I do think Kansas City rightfully won. I thought they were significantly the better coach team and defensively they made more plays. So I think they justifiably got it, even though for a classic like that to have a bit of a dud ending, it, it's, it's why I think Patriots Eagles will probably be the Super Bowl, I remember the most as like the most thrilling one compared to this one. Like this one was fantastic. I'll give it like nine out of 10, but I think the lack of a true memorable finish is why I'd say Eagles Patriots is probably the best Super Bowl in the past decade. If you're looking at it from a pure entertainment competitive standpoint. Before we put a bow on this football season, is there anything else that you want to mention from this game? Once again, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, my just another masterful coach before. It's you know the way they use motion, both 
especially the short motion. Like that, people always ask, why why can't teams double Kelsey? Just watch the playoffs and you'll see why. The amount of times they motion Kelsey, getting on the move to create these mismatches, they, they just they just know how to cause disruption within the secondary. Like you can't play in coverages for Kelsey because they're constantly motioning him to play in stack formations. Like it's just the way they use motion and then put together two by twos or three by ones. It makes it such a nightmare. And that's why the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl with the likes of Juju, Gadaris, Tony, and all the scaling as their receivers. Like, yeah, you have the greatest quarterback arguably ever and, you know, top two tight end ever. But, you know, it takes tremendous play calling to also get it done, especially going against teams like Eagles and the Bengals. So once again, Andy Reid, future Hall of Famer, and I don't think he's going to retire. But, man, if he retired, who could blame him? But, you know, I hope he has a couple of years left because, you know, watching Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, it's, a, it's an absolute treat. Yeah, it's funny how we always try to anoint the new offensive guru. And it's like, bro, Andy Reid has like been that dude for two decades now. He was doing things early on in Philly that people hadn't seen before. And now, you know, you got McVay, you get you LaFleur, you get Shanahan. It's like, man, the old and head is coming still, to the division now. Right. I know the quarterbacks, I'm not believing the QB, but the, the one the true masterminds is now coming to division. We're going to see them twice a year. So, so it leads me to the last thing I want to mention. Next year's Super Bowl odds already up. You know, they don't hesitate over here in Sin City, bro. They got these odds up right away, Alan. You got them up at 905. You're, you're looking at it. <laughs> right away, man. You know how I get down. So, rightfully so, Chiefs plus 600 as the favorite. I will say, I think moving forward, bro, I'm probably going to bet the Chiefs every year to win the Super Bowl only because. From what we've seen so far, they're going to make the conference championship as long as Mahomes is healthy. And then you're never going to get a number as high as you will now. Because when the playoffs started, they were plus 175. In the middle of the season, they were like a 4-1 to one favorite. You're never going to get them, oh shit, they're 28-1, to one, right? They're 50-1. to one. You're never going to get that. So the Chiefs now are the new Patriots in the sense of if you're going to bet them, bet them as soon as it goes up on the board because come Super Bowl, come playoff time, this is the highest number you'll be able to get with them. I remember there were a couple of years ago when I used to do the betting show with Impy. Impy would mention like, yo, we should just bet the, the Patriots now. They were like seven to one. He's like, this is as high as we're going to get them. I was like, yo, you know what? That's a hell of a point. And that's the right point too. So Kansas City plus 600. Then you got the Bills plus 850. You got three teams at nine to one, the Eagles, Bengals, and Niners. You have the Cowboys at for Bengals. Did they not just watch what happened a month ago? What? Bills over Bengals. Listen, man, I think people are Aren't just you surprised. Yeah, I am surprised. But I yeah. think public perception is thrown into this one where people are going to like people love Josh Allen, bro. They love Bills Mafia. So they're just going to blindly take money like they did this year. No team had more tickets and like. Uh, news anchors and broadcasters picked them to win the Super Bowl more than the Bills, right? Like, they're a public too, team yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people did, right? And that, that's a red flag, right? We're not, we're not going to pick the team, Alan, moving forward. A couple of takeaways. We're not going to pick the team that everybody is picking to win the Super Bowl. That didn't happen. You know what else happened yesterday? Vegas needed the Chiefs. The sportsbooks needed the Chiefs. Two hours before kickoff, Four different million-dollar bets came in on the Eagles. 
everyone it was like a 65-35 split tickets on on the Eagles. And yeah. we we were talking about it with, with Kenny. I was talking about it with you, man, how I would feel dumb not betting Pat Mahomes, the uh, the GOAT, as an underdog. Yeah. And you you call your shot and you got it. But yeah, thanks for educating me on that. Cause I'm just curious. Cause I just I, I think the Bills are kind of at a crossroads right now. Like it's hard to believe in them. But I think if you're looking to next year though, like you know, the loss of coordinators will be a big talking mm. point because you have Strikton leaving Philly, obviously D'Amico Ryan's in San Fran, and potentially Lou Anarumo going to Arizona. Like if all three of them leave. These are huge adjustments because all three of them are hugely influential, particularly D'Amico Ryan's in San Fran. You know, I know San Fran, they get a new D coordinator all the time. Like they went from Salah to Ryan's pretty smoothly. But at some point, just you continue losing coaches or coordinators here. I do wonder how much of a lasting effect it's going to be. So that's something to keep in mind. Can I give the next couple of days? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, dude. We saw it. We saw it firsthand with Buffalo and the Giants. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, I think revisionist. They miss Dayball, day bro. There, there's no other way to put it. They, they miss Dayball. Can I give you? I have four teams where I just want, and we'll end the show with this. Four teams whose odds kind of like, huh? That's my reaction to reading them, and and it's like a positive. Like I'm gonna be keeping track of these over the next couple of months. I hope the lines are in this. Please let the lines be in this. All right. So so the lines are 25 to to one. They're not in this for me, but. You, okay. you're, you're a little, you're a little, you got a little semi there for the Lions, huh? I'm just curious because they are America's team, man. Like, come on, the fighting Dan Campbells are here. They have a top five pick. There's reasons, plenty of reasons to be excited. Okay. I can see it. A, a team that I like at 20. I mean, I mean, they have golf though. So like, right. yeah. A team that, <laughs> a team that I think could be interesting at 25 to one is Jacksonville, where another year of Trevor Lawrence with, with Peterson and, they, for as much as we clowned what they did in free agency last year, I think they got the reps. They got the big game experience. That game kind of was there for them to have against the Chiefs as well. Obviously, they had that epic collapse and comeback with with the Chargers. I think the Jaguars at 25 to 1. I think you're not going to like this one, but I think the Jets could be interesting if they get Rodgers, which is heavily rumored. Yeah, I, I, they got to get them, though. They got to get them. They have to. Yeah. Yeah, they have to. Then then we could have that conversation. By the way, I think the Jaguars are going to take over the Chargers as your, like, second team. Like, I think you're off the Chargers now. and Because you've been Ryan Jackson for, like, three years now. Like, you're the only one to talk about with Urban Meyer, which we won't uh, digress on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. Like we, we, we don't need to bring that up to the people. There's a lot of new people listening to the fans. But, they don't need to know about that but, one, all right? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But 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 you know you did call it this year, and I don't know. I feel like you you do have a soft spot for the Jags, so uh, I'm not surprised you mentioned them. I I think since you pretty much have had to just burn all of your emotions with the Chargers, I think the Jaguars are going to be your team. There's nothing I love more than stud young quarterbacks, bro. Trevor Lawrence. So you were the Colts. You were the Colts all those years. Yeah, yeah, and look. I'm going to get talked into the charges again because I'm a moron and I'm just going to like be <sighs> super stubborn. But we'll, we'll, there's another team I like in that division. Unless we think Russell Wilson is completely fried, which, boy, did you hear about this scandal with him with this foundation and charity that he got, Alan? 
I saw the headline. I did not read into it, but it is very concerning. Uh, I don't know, man. Mr. What's his name? Mr. Comfortable? Mr. What's like his nickname? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, I, I, Mr. I, I Unlimited. It's Mr. Unlimited. Uh, yeah, he, he, might, he might he have to pay up. very limited as oh, a player no. this year. Yeah. But yo, Sean Payton. I think yeah. that could be that could be a little something at 35 to 1. That was one. The Jaguars was the other. The Jets was the other. And then, dude, call me crazy. Call me crazy. I think the Bears can make some noise next year. Not talking Super Bowl, but, you know, 75 to 1 Chicago. They could get a shitload of picks for that number one pick, dude. I love Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is an awesome quarterback. Another young guy. Get him some more weapons. They have a ton of cap space. You can you could package that first round number one overall pick you have. You don't need to address a quarterback. And you could build around him, spend some money, get him some real weapons. Maybe package some trades to get a T. Higgins or a Brandon Ayuk. Something for him. I think the Bears could be really, really sneaky, man. Those are the those are some of the teams that I'm just keeping my eye on. I'll be like, huh, let's uh, let's pay attention to these. If I'm the Bears, I'm doing everything possible to to exploit the Colts. You know, make the Colts give me a eight picks because I think the Colts are going to be really desperate to move up. So if I'm uh, Foles, I think that's his name. I'm blanking on his name right now. The GM of the Bears, but I don't think it's Foles. I, I'm Foles. Ryan Poles. Poles. There we go. Poles. Poles. See, just one letter. Damn yeah, it. yeah. But I think, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, they have to get like a big coup because look, that roster needs a lot of work. I understand where you're coming from, and I do think the NFC is the land of opportunity. You know, I don't think you have to be particularly good to make that playoffs in the NFC. You know, we saw how fragile it is. So, yeah, I could see why you're into it, but man, they they have to try to pull off something to you know bolster that roster because there are so many holes. Yeah, we have we have a long way to go. We do have free agency in a couple of weeks. And then before you know it, it'll be the draft. And then we'll be back in the swing of things once again. But it's just something important to monitor. Look, it didn't work out this year, but I bet the Chargers to win the Super Bowl right after free agency when they got their guys. I bet the Rams to win the Super Bowl right when they got Matthew Stafford. You don't really need to wait until Labor Day weekend to put all your bets in for futures. And... I'm a futures guy. I like risking a little bit to win a lot. Uh, Justin Jefferson won Offensive Player of the Year. We were both on that one. That was a nice future, 16 to 1. And it's going to be... Look, the NFL has really become a 12-month sport, bro. So I'm excited to see what happens in the offseason. A lot of big names could be on the move. And there could be some massive ramifications throughout all the divisions and the conferences. So I'm excited. I do want to thank you once again, Alan, for coming on the show and rocking with us during the football season. I'm, uh, I'm oh, pumped yeah. to get you to come out here, bro. I can't wait. I know we'll, we'll have these conversations in the near future to get you out here. And uh, yeah, shout out to everyone last week who shared and posted the show. Meant a ton to me and to the brand helping us grow. It's the best endorsement we could give, right? Like, I, I don't listen to anyone else. Uh, I don't listen to celebrities that tell me to go and check something out or buy something. It's more peer-to-peer. If Alan comes to me and he's like, yo, dude, I, I listened to this pod that I think you'll like, that means a lot more to me. So it's the best way to grow the show organically. So, so tell your friends about it. We're doing a little bit of a rebranding, going to change the logo up, which I'm posting it on Patreon. If you guys could go over there 
uh, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. It'll be open for everyone to go see and comment and leave a review on it. And let me know what you guys think of this new logo. I want you guys to approve of it and you guys to accept it before we go live with it. And yeah, I'm excited for this offseason. You guys know we always like to get a little funky and experiment. And we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. At Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is you can find all things VM. And Alan, tell the people when they can find you. Alan Sturk, A-L-L-E-N, S-T-R-K. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.